0: And welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how was your vacation? It was, well,
1: what was it? It was eye-opening, that's what I'm going to say. We went to the other end of the island uh, for a wedding. Um, I suppose fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which way you look at it, I missed the stag night.
0: Probably a good thing.
1: Well, probably. We were there for the wedding itself and a couple of days afterwards. The weather has been really weird. And it was, um, well, at one point it was raining, which for May, Cyprus, good Lord. Um, But no, the the happy couple um, are indeed now a happy married couple. And I think they're still here for another day or two. And then they are back home to Wales. But uh, no, it was lovely.
0: Had a great time. Did you miss me? Oh, terribly, terribly. This whole changing recording days confusing as heck
1: I' have no idea what I'm doing what I, I I'm in between social events at the moment. so back from the wedding, um, I've been given strict instructions of things that I have to do. um naturally, everything has gone wrong, um, and that's because we've got guests coming um well, as we record the day after tomorrow, um and so. I have got a driveway full of junk that is supposed to be getting taken to the tip, hasn't been taken to the tip. And as you may imagine, the current Mrs. Lennon is not overly pleased with this state of affairs. Mm. Um, And well, it would appear that there's no real way that state of affairs is going to change between now and the guests arriving.
0: Can you put a whole bunch of stuff in the back of your little car and take it one load at a time?
1: uh well if I had a week, yes, um because mm. my little car is as previously mentioned little um and some of this stuff is big um and there are you know all sorts of schemes in hand to get this done it's it's the mediterranean justin there's there's not a great sense of urgency about these things here, but mm. we will survive we will survive do you have a roof though that's the question that everybody wants to know ah uh, yes, well, the um, the roof, I mean, this was another one of those wonderful setups where there's um an English fellow who's uh, getting on a little, I think it's fair to say. I think he's probably pushing 80. Um, and he was a very competent builder. And he came and said, I'll quote for it, to which I replied, Um, You're aware it's a roof. But, you know, sort of, you know, ladders stuff. He said, oh, yeah, I'm not going to get up a ladder or anything. I have someone who could do it under my supervision. Okay. All right. Sounds interesting. And so eventually, Mario, I don't think that's his real name, uh, turned up. Uh, and he's a Syrian fellow. Lovely chap, I think. Um, my Arabic is pretty slim i i know a few words and most of those i'm not going to say to somebody i don't know very well um and he speaks no english uh fortunately he speaks a bit of greek um regrettably i don't um so the whole thing was reasonably convoluted to be honest um it's been put up there um the um things outstanding are one there needs to be some silicon applied around the chimney as a detail that nobody had thought of at the time. And two, uh, we did get some rain and there appeared to be, well, water coming through one of the seams, which I'm fairly certain is a bad thing. So, Mm. um, more silicon. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, there's, it it was a join. So, um, I think there's going to be a lot of getting on ladders and swearing at it and trying to push two bits of plastic together that don't want to go together and stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, the jury is out, but there is a roof there of sorts, I suppose. We'll we'll see how we get on over the next few days.
0: So, it's all right. You're not going to have any more rain for another, what, eight months? You'll be fine. Well, who
1: knows with this weird weather? I mean, I was just looking at the, uh, the tool of the week, which we'll get to later. I mean, the, the world's gone mad, Justin. So what about follow-up? Have you got any follow-up?
0: I don't really have anything. I finished uh, editing our last episode and... Uh, Pleased to announce. I don't think we really uh, trod on any landmines too much. Okay, uh, but uh, certainly looking for some feedback on that. Hopefully, we did that uh, justice. Interestingly enough, I was looking through the list of books by women that were that Lisa recommended and that we put into the show notes, mm-hmm. and a lot of the books are well, male, pale, stale. You know, uh, a bunch of white men writing books on productivity Mm -hmm. um the women also tend to be of a certain age and white as well Uh um so i don't know if there's anything you know if we're looking at this let's open our mind um you know people of color is there anything by them that is a good book to read is there different you know um books out there i'm i'm certainly looking at this whole topic with a, a different Fresh set of eyes, so kind of cool. Mm. How about you? What's your follow-up?
1: uh well, I'm I'm sort of going even deeper into the sort of white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Um, so I I read my Getting Things Done by David Allen, um, and ordered the paperback, which has now been delivered. So I have a, a reference version. Um, I've also got I'm just looking a workbook, the Getting Things Done workbook.
0: I was about to mention that to you as well. Oh, there's a workbook as well. Well, I'll I'll see what it's like. Um,
1: I'm going to go through that. So as you may gather, I'm still into my GTD thing. Um, And yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I've got got friends from from Hungary
0: visiting uh, in a couple of days, which will be very exciting. Very nice. Very nice. So what was your tool of the week this week besides taking the week off and having fun?
1: Ah, uh, well, that was it, really. That was my tool of the week. It was a long weekend off. Um, we drove to Napa, which is the sort of party capital of Cyprus, on Wednesday after Margaret finished work. So we got there in the evening, um, and the wedding was on the Thursday. So we met up with the wedding party on the Wednesday evening. They were, well, they were feeling a little delicate because the stag night had gone on, on the Tuesday, so... Uh, we, you know, caught up with some some friends, old and new, uh, had a couple of uh, couple of little drinks with them, and then early to bed uh, so that we could get up for the wedding. Uh, and then we had the wedding on Thursday, which involved a double-decker wedding bus. I mean, I think everybody should get on a double-decker wedding bus.
0: I'm just even trying to figure out how you'd have a wedding, get a double-decker bus, but that's okay. You know, it's a Cypress thing. You just, no, you just get to the,
1: you know, from A to B um, on your double-decker bus. It's great. Fantastic. It it means you don't lose anybody. Um, And lots of people sort of beep their horns at you and go, congratulations. And, you know, I I assume that they were talking to the bride and groom, not me, but I waved nevertheless. Um, And yeah, Mrs. L and I had some quality time, uh, some laughs, and then sort of got home and went, oh, we're too old for this. Um, And faced all the... You know, the aftermath of a long weekend. Oh, we've got to wash everything and where are the dogs and oh who's doing the shopping and oh, what are we eating? Oh what's going on? All that stuff. But um very refreshing. Nice nice to see how I've still got it, Justin. I can still I can still fill a dance floor me.
0: <laughs> just on my own. <laughs> ah at, at our age I'm just imagining flying around a dance floor. Mm-mm. And I'm just like, oh, no, I'm too old for that crap. But that's just me.
1: Yeah, it's a scary thing to see me in action on the dance floor.
0: To be honest, ah, oh, crazy. We've been enjoying some of that uh, nice weather. It's uh, it's warm out here. It's nice. Um, means that it's affected my productivity. I have to plan my walks around the neighborhood. We take Coco out, a wife and myself. I generally go out for a walk. And. The problem that I've got now, Stu, I don't know if you have this. Your neighborhood may be a little more remote than mine. A walk around the block takes a long time. As you chat to neighbors, you can make new friends. You may visit a local cidery and, you know, have a glass or two or the local winery. It's wonderful and social, but... uh, boy oh boy you go out for what should be a half hour walk and an hour and a half you're kind of staggering back after uh, a glass of uh, wine or glass of cider it's it's not very productive um lunchtime walks definitely out uh it's it's kind of crazy Um, uh, we kind of hibernate for well it snowed in uh november and that was kind of the last we saw anybody until the nice weather a couple of weeks ago so uh It's, it's a weird thing, you know, summer socials. Um, so, you know, the, the, the weather we've got here is absolutely crazy. We're having both floods and wildfires. Mm. Go figure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm told
1: this is all El Nino again. Um, down in the uh, South Atlantic, I would guess, or South Pacific even, I'm not sure. Um. But for some reason or other, the weather system goes backwards and the whole world's weather gets broken. So um, Cyprus, we have had cool weather. Um, we've got sort of persistent dust storms. It's still not warmed up. Um, our high today was 22 degrees. I would expect it to be 30, 31 um, and don't get me wrong, actually, it's really, really nice, this
0: <laughs> this weather. but it, Good golfing it, weather.
1: Yeah, definitely. But it is throwing a loop to everyone. Everyone's going, well, hang on, this is Cyprus. It's May. We should now be going, oh, it's hot. Um, and then next month we move it up to, oh, it's very hot, and et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until about November. But no, it's uh, it's weird, very strange, very unsettling, and, well, not quite as dramatic as you. I don't think we've had any floods or wildfires
0: yet, but who knows? Yeah, it's, it's crazy up here. We've got, uh, huge chunks of Alberta, which is kind of uh, the next province over on fire at the moment. And, uh, last weekend, uh, just that we, we had, um, all the heat is melting the snow pack. And then we had a day of rain. And of course that, uh, just melts the snowpack even more, so the local rivers are crazy. Anyway, it is what it is. Apparently, uh, this is a big thing. Good thing I don't like live at the bottom of uh, an old extinct uh, riverbed or uh, lake bed, which is kind of the valley I'm in. So, what could go wrong, Stu? It, uh, nothing. It'll all be fine. Weirdly enough, uh, you know the uh, truck camper that I bought. Uh, we're actually looking at it this year, and we're packing it up as a just in case the wildfires get crazy, um, this is our go bag. You know, we're we're going to just pack it up, have it ready to go at any point so you can just hop in and go. Uh, things that you have to think about living up here in the mountains.
1: Crazy. I thought you were going to tell me it was a duck boat for a minute and you could just float
0: off in it if required. Uh, yeah, this thing's what, six and a half tons? It ain't floating anywhere, Stu.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of flotation required. Pretty much. All right, what are you writing with this week? Uh I am with uh well an old favorite uh sort of love-hate relationship, a Fisher space pen, the uh the OG, if you like. So a tiny little bullet pen. Um it's actually in where my wallet folds, it just sits in there, um, with some follietto cards, which I use as my sort of quick capture device analogue. Um lovely. It's just incredibly practical not the best writing experience i'd I'd have to say um but right now i'm writing with a a good old-fashioned classic retro 51 um which is just just a gorgeous refill which i suspect you're about to talk about what are you writing
0: with yeah well i've still got the baron fig what do you call that cross erasable x erasable um squire that I was writing with last week. Uh, it's just lived on my desk. You know what's really neat, Stu? This pen lives in the fold of my journal uh-huh. with the nib extended, the the tip extended, and I just pick it up and write. I don't have to uncap everything. I don't have to unscrew anything. It's, it's lovely. I haven't written consistently with a pen that's a non fountain pen for a while a long time and just having this here ready to grab and two notes is very nice i mean i don't know you can't go wrong with it and it yes it uses the same refill as yours
1: yep and and i think that's part of the attraction because it's as close to a fountain pen as you can get really without having a nib
0: yeah yeah and it's it's a good writing experience actually i've uh, i've got a few of these around and i kind of have i'm not sure where, what drawer they're in you know i've got uh pens everywhere uh, i'm sure you have that kind of problem too Stu. uh but yes i've got pens everywhere and uh i i like this one i gotta dig out some of my other ones for a change in color perhaps but that's okay i've got three fountain pens sitting on my desk as well same ones as before all piston fillers all looking at me going <laughs> yeah good luck buddy you need a <laughs> thicker pen for this <laughs> All right. Our topic for this week: uh, How do you set up for deep work? So, Stu, what do you th- what do you think deep work is? What is deep work to you? I guess is the first part. Should we define it? Yeah, I mean, I for me,
1: deep work is the stuff that really matters. It it doesn't necessarily need to be lofty or high and mighty or complex um but it's it's the real things that move the needle um in whatever project that might be um so i guess you know for me writing is is deep work i i like to sort of focus on it to the exclusion of other things Um, another way to say it is it's anything that causes you to procrastinate it's probably deep work um because it's the the type of stuff that needs to get done um i suppose i define it by the stuff that it isn't so um emails messaging apps social media um uh, in my studies at the moment the professor is talking about gantt charts and i'm literally biting my lip um because I want to say to him, Gantt chart is what project managers do when they want to avoid doing any work. Um, just it, it's it's the things that really matter. That's deep work for me. Do you do you have a a better definition?
0: I'm not sure. Better, I I think uh, you've kind of highlighted what it is uh, for me. It's a highly focused, uninterrupted block of time. Um, you know, I kind of look at it with a whole bunch of questions. Um, how long are you going to deep work for? You know, it's, it's really just that that highly focused time block that that is deep work for me. Uh, I guess it really depends on uh, how long you want to focus and depends on your focus. I think, you know, in this day and age, um, you know, there's, there's people talking about you need to do this, very prescriptive. This is what what uh, deep work is, and you need to do this time block. I think this is something that you know you need to work up to, just sort of taking it uh, a little bit at a time. You know, maybe it's a Pomodoro block, maybe it's something uh, Cal Newportish, but the idea that uh, you're just going to focus on a singular task, highly focused, without any interruptions. That's kind of the way I look at it.
1: Yeah, and I think um, the reality of the world that we live in is that um, 30 years ago, people wouldn't have understood this conversation. And this isn't a conversation that you'd be having um, at work particularly. Um, I mean, sure, there was distraction. Sure, there was interruption. But nothing like the scale of distraction and interruption that we now live with, that people in offices particularly live in I mean I'm very fortunate I work from home um, and yet there are still 100 ways that I can be distracted here um, I in, in large part because of technology but 30 years ago people didn't really distract each other in such a way um, you know they used to knock on each other's doors if they wanted to speak to each other certainly in Britain you know they would be very sort of reticent about interrupting someone's work um, and people just got on and did what they wanted to do I remember days in the office, too many days in the office, where I was nonstop for 10 to 12 hours and did nothing, absolutely nothing that mattered. And don't get me wrong, I can, I can play the game with the best of them. I can do Gantt charts, meetings, emails, I can do all of that stuff, but none of it matters, really. Mm. Um, Particularly if you're in a a senior position, you should be hiring other people to do that stuff. You should be doing the stuff that's really important, that moves the needle, that gets you to ship your product or gets you more sales or gets deadlines met, hit, you know, whatever it is. Everybody knows what those things are. And I think deep down we know uh, what things are not that but it is very easy to sort of fall into them and say, well, I, I've worked very, very hard today, which is probably true. You've just been working very, very hard on all the wrong stuff, probably because you've been avoiding the right stuff. That's certainly true of me.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to think back to sort of my corporate days, you know, You come in, particularly as a manager, you tend to be a bit of a firefighter, you know, Mm -hmm. you spend the whole day putting out fires Yep, and that's exactly right. You, you kind of look back at it and you, you feel good because uh, the tyranny of the urgent, I think is what they call it, right? For sure. You've, you've, you've been adrenaline rushing, um, boy, that's probably not a word, but I've massacred it. Um, you've been, you've been really getting high on the fact that you're, you're doing this, and you're doing that, and you're doing something that, you know, I could put this piece with this piece. And then at the end of the day, yeah, you kind of look back and go, well, what did I really do that was important? It's a a tough one. How do you figure out what you're going to do for deep work now? Um, You know, identifying what you're going to do for deep work. What, what is it in terms of, um your your own process is is there anything that you go into for that
1: yeah i mean i think it all begins with that sort of um uh i can't remember what the gtd term would be but the, the sort of helicopter view of you know what are my goals what are my values what am i trying to achieve who do i want to be um that directs me to the things that i want to be so you know Am I a writer? Because if I'm a writer, then I need to write. And do I define myself by production, by output? Yes, I want to produce a novel. Um, am I a consultant? What does that mean? It means I'm an entrepreneur. It means that I help people. It means that I help companies. So what do I have to do for these companies? You know, It's working out what things are important to me, really. I mean, if you want to be in business, you have to do your accounts or you have to have someone else do them for you you have to have a level of administrative task that that just keeps things ticking over you know if you want to use paper clips you need at some point to buy paper clips but those are not the things that are propelling your business or your interest or your passion or your life forward whatever those things are Those are the deep work. So for me, that might be writing, um, whether that's writing fiction or writing non-fiction or writing corporate stuff. So um, I advise companies, I try and help companies not get in trouble (laughs) around uh, anti-money laundering legislation. So communicating fairly complex legalese um, jargon into something that people can understand and they can apply to their business without too much uh, struggle and cost is is a skill. It's not easy to do. Um, you just say anti-money laundering compliance and people sort of fall asleep. You've got to find a way of, of, of getting people to, to listen to you and to make what are generally quite small changes to their business that will protect them in the long term and will help me grow my business. Why do I want to grow my business? Well, I don't particularly, but I want to have a level of, um, income and revenue that allows me to live, um, as I'd like to live. So it's tying everything back to those sort of, you know, key values. Who am I? What do I do? What do I believe? Um, those are the things that define what my, deep work should be.
0: Hmm. Interesting. You're certainly in a position where the deep work directly affects you. Any thoughts on sort of in a corporate person where hmm. uh, deep work is less about necessarily what you want to do and what needs to be done? I think, um, again, it's it's a similar lens, actually,
1: because if you are You know, working in a corporate environment, why are you working in that specific corporate environment? Is it because this is a field that interests you? Is it because it rewards you very well? Is it one of those pure accidents? Um, You know, are you working in retail when actually you want to be working uh, in medicine? And if your goal is, okay, I want to use this as a stepping stone to being in medicine okay let's let's draw that out a little bit how do you get from where you are to where you want to be and you may well define that you know i need to be selling um more widgets than anyone else in the company to demonstrate that i've got the skill set required for the sales which i can then try and uh, translate into dedication for selling you know pharmaceutical drugs or you know whatever it might be um if you can make an approximate map of how that is going to unfold, your deep work falls from that. So you want to be the best salesperson you can be for whatever your own personal reasons are, then your deep work is probably picking up the phone and calling people. Hmm.
0: Using the old paper clips again. It was a, a gentleman, I think in Vancouver actually, who used to have two... Um, paperclip holders on his desk Mm -hmm. and he'd start the day with 101 uh, in one of those and every time he'd make a cold call he'd take the paperclip out and put it into the other one and his goal was he wouldn't go home until he'd got all 100 paperclips moved from one container to the next that was 100 calls that he made
1: yeah it's i mean it's um things uh specifically around sales, those type of techniques are very effective. So I call it collecting no's. Um, So if I have a series of cold calls that I I want to make or need to make or that somebody is forcing me to make more likely, um, then I will look at it as, okay, I've got 30 calls to make here. I'm going to go and get myself 30 no's. Mm. Um, So I mentally prepare myself for the fact that most people don't buy on a cold call. Uh, and most people say no. And some people say it very aggressively. Uh, and some people say, say it very rudely. But actually, I'm collecting no's. So I will pick up the phone. Justin, would you be interested in buying? No? Okay. Well, thanks very much for your time. I don't buy anything over the telephone, Stu. Go away. For sure. But I've collected a no. So I've succeeded. I've got a no from Justin. Now I'm going to phone DJ. And I'm going to try and sell something to him. And he's going to say, no, I'm going to get no. Occasionally, I get a yes to everyone's great shock and surprise. And, well, those no's cost me pretty much nothing. And that yes might make me $10,000 a year. It's a numbers game. Sales always has been, always will be. So I think you can, in a corporate environment, identify what your deep work is. And it, it might not be the stuff that you particularly enjoy, but it's the stuff that you have identified moves you towards achieving your goal, whatever that goal might be, both corporate and personal. Because ultimately, corporate goals uh, are completely pointless unless they serve the personal goal. So unless I care about the corporate goal, I'm not going to work towards it. But if achieving the corporate goal achieves my personal goal or helps me achieve my personal goal, then
0: I'll do it. Hmm. I thought about this in terms of, you know, true deep work for me requires, as you were saying, a passion, an interest, a drive. And I think that if you aren't passionate about what you're doing, it's much easier to procrastinate. But I thought about this as well and, and kind of tried to put it into a corporate perspective, uh, because I honestly think that avoiding pain whatever that is from, you know, not doing the job as well as you can, not meeting a deadline. Um, you know, the stress of been under a tight deadline that can be something avoiding pain can drive passion as well. Um, you know, that's when you come to fill up a day with things that, you know, uh, may not be personal, but are required in a corporate environment, uh, because not everybody's at the top of a corporate. You know, the, that's the reality mm-hmm. that you're, you're doing things that um, you may, that may not move your needle particularly, but are a reality of, of life. Um, trying to come up with a reason why, I think is the most important thing for identifying deep work.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, whether you're wholly identifying it yourself or ascribing value to it, uh, because your boss has ascribed value to it. So if they've taken you on, um, to stack those shelves, then it's important to you to stack those shelves because you don't want to lose your job or get disciplined or, um, you know, get fired or be seen as a slacker, you know, whatever those things, those are perfectly legitimate, um, motivations. And if you've been employed to fill those shelves, then the deep work is kind of filling the shelves that's that's the real thing what it isn't is all the other stuff that goes on around each and every job
0: how do you go about picking a task project time etc is is there a process you use i i know you kind of work for yourself so you have a little bit more flexibility but i'm just kind of curious what your process is um i've um this year sort of worked
1: on a a pretty strict schedule so i'm in theory, I'm retired, um, but I do have time that I put aside for um, various things. So my my schedule revolves around golf, not because golf is the most important thing, but because you have to reserve tees. So I play golf on a Monday morning and a Wednesday morning and a Friday morning. Now, that has a couple of knock-on effects. I am not going to be the... Um, at my best on the afternoons of those days, because I will have walked around a golf course, potentially in very hot weather, and I'll be tired. So the afternoons uh, of golfing days, I put aside for admin work. Um, I go for a swim. Um, I may even take a nap, heaven forfend! Um, if I have sort of light reading to do, those types of things get scheduled into there. I don't play golf on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Um, I am I best mentally, uh, like most people, uh, in the mornings. So Tuesday morning and Thursday morning are sacred for me. Um, I don't accept meetings. I don't accept calls. Um, the various and sundry domestic duties that I have, I, um, if my wife lets me, don't accept those. If she needs it done, then tough. We just adapt. Um, but generally speaking, I try and protect those morning sessions from, let's say, 8 till 12, um, those are my big work sessions. Those two four-hour sessions are where I will expect to do the majority of any deep work. Now, because of the flexibility that I have in my world, I often end up with with a decent um, sort of deep session over the weekend as well, because um, Mrs. L will be busy doing something else, um, and I'm kind of free of of any obligations, and so I will come and lock myself down here for a few hours. But I've tried to work all of my tasks, et cetera. I tag with um, a kind of energy level. Um, It's not really an energy level. It's a type of task. So I have tags that say uh, research. I have tags that say um, execute. I have tags that say administer. Um, And really execution is what i'm trying to do in those deep sessions or um think but well, that's a slightly different one That's a little bit weird um and i'm trying to use that sort of hand in hand with my task manager to assign tasks to those times when i know i'm going to have the energy level required mm. um i think i think if you sort of go into any corporate environment and say to people okay you know you you finish at uh, 6 p.m. so 4 p.m. why don't you you know get yourself locked down and get yourself into a deep work session um any boss will tell you that at 4 p.m. everybody's already switched off i mean on a friday right, 2 p.m. people people's minds have moved to the weekend what they're going to do that's not the time to take on a big project i think we all instinctively know that um and i think corporate uh, environments are very, very bad at sort of taking that common sense and going, hang on, you know, this is a big project. Well, when are we going to get this going? Let's get this going on a Monday morning. Oh yeah, but Monday we have the weekly catch up first. Okay, why don't we try and do it late Monday morning and let's bring some pastries in to get every, you know, th- that type of thinking uh, I think is is very, very important. Um, I, you and I will probably get into it in a minute, but both you and I use cues to to get our sort of deep work heads on. And I think that corporates would do very well to emulate that. I mean, I'm sure many, many do, but I'm thinking back to corporates that I either managed or, or worked in, and they were pretty poor at this. So um, my business partner, um, the mad Englishman, um, I, I don't know if I ever mentioned it on this podcast, but he used to we used to gauge his mood by his hair. So um, if his hair got really spiky, then he was stressed because he was running his hands through his hair a lot and it was standing up. Um, if it was really sort of flat and floppy, then he was pretty chilled. And you, you use that information um, before you asked him any questions. But he was a very task-driven individual. So if something needed doing, it needed doing. And if he had put on his plan, on Friday, I will do X, and on Friday morning had been derailed, then he would sit there at six o'clock on Friday evening and say, well, I've got to do X. Mm. And everybody else, usually standing behind me, because I was the only one that would tell him this, would say, that's great, we're going to the pub. And by his own admission, he would then, you know, work very, very hard, very, very fast, and very, very sloppily and not do great work.
0: Just to get it done.
1: Yeah, but, you know, it's that sort of completionist, um, drive. That I think everybody has to a certain extent, but he would sometimes take it to extremes. I think for me, I look to be much more kind to myself. Um, my weekly review is key in identifying what I'm going to do over the week. And I look at three things. So I'll look at my calendar. Is there anything that I have to do? Because, you know, there's a deadline or whatever. I've got a meeting. Um, then I will look at my deep work sessions. Right. What do I want to do in there? What do I want to do Tuesday morning? What do I want to do Thursday morning? Um I'll fill those up, and then I will start sort of moving admin type shallow work tasks into the other section, sections of the of the week and I try and give myself an approximate layout of how the week will work. I don't get too prescriptive, but um those deep work sessions are the most important thing to schedule for me mm. um because i think I think what it does is it it primes your subconscious to say right. Tuesday morning, I'm going to be working on Sean. Because the thing I find hardest is context switching. So um, being a, an anti-money laundering guy in the morning, then perhaps selling some notebooks in the afternoon, and then being a fiction writer in the evening, I find really hard. But if I can wake up my mind knowing that today I'm a writer, then all sorts of things happen. First of all, instead of making coffee,
0: I tend to go for tea.
1: I don't know why, but in my head, I guess writers drink tea.
0: Ah, I would have started with the red wine first thing in the morning. You know, yeah. get the beret out and have the red wine and the a cigarette, and you can you can do the uh, the struggling writer look very nicely.
1: Oh yeah, well the, the that's the Hemingway approach. Yes, clearly, uh, have a, have a couple of bottles of wine for breakfast. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's a really simple. I th- I think psychology is quite simple. Um, in terms of we humans are reasonably easy to to manipulate, and by putting into my blog, okay, Tuesday morning I'm going to be a writer. Uh, when I get to my computer on Tuesday morning, I kind of feel like writing, and then I will do. Um, well, I mean, for me, I I I write standing up, so I have I have a um, I have a crank um, sort of sit-stand desk, so I manually crank it up uh, on Monday evening. Uh, so that it's nice and high, my computer is ready. I um you know clear the desk, get the applications open that I want to have open, whether that be scrivener or paper or whatever i'm writing in um and so i I come to the computer ready to go and dive into it and for me it's really important to avoid going near email hmm. or any sort of potential thing that will derail me i I promise myself that I will look at my email around about twelve uh and then just ignore it for, for those first three, four hours. Um and my my aim is to try and get into flow. Um so who was that? Cheeks and sent Mihai, whatever his name is. Yes. Uh, Hungarian fella. Um that that flow that you can get in sport when you're playing sport or when you're listening to music or reading a book or doing something that just just works for you. Um, I don't think it's an accident that you get into flow. I think you need to give your your psychology as many boosts as you can. And that's getting the setup right of the, of the office, having the intention set in your mind through your planning process. Um, and that, you know, little bit of discipline to say, okay, I am not going to look at the things that I know have the potential to derail me. So that for me, would have in the past been social media, or uh, now is still email, um, or even sort of group group texts that I'm part of. I just ignore them. I do not look at them, and I say, okay, when I've finished my deep session and I'm going to go and have something to eat, I will indulge myself with looking at all these things and uh, getting into all that sort of <gasps> oh, somebody urgently needs to know what I'm doing next Thursday. You know, all that sort of nonsense um, as a as a quasi reward i think it really really works i mean you do something
0: similar i think don't you i i do actually i'm a little different though um so one of the things that i first do uh, i'm sure we've talked about it before i kind of do a weekly spread in a journal um, and use that to pick my deep work sessions these are the task projects that i need to work on a couple things that i do is i pick a time where I'm going to avoid the most interruptions. Now, with that is there are, you know, certain well, bosses, for example, uh, at my company that uh, will call at certain times. They prefer calling versus emailing and chatting. And you know, lots of different ways that, it is specific to my organization. So I sort of pick my times. Uh, one of the things I do on my times is I set a timer. There's less guilt for me in that case. You know, I'm doing this between this time and this time. Boom. You don't have to worry about it. You're, you've are you got a plan. You execute the plan. If you need more time, great. But you've got that timer involved in it. Um, Unlike Stu, where... I don't necessarily have the flexibility to come in and ignore everything because, uh, things, other people work at different times. Um, I come in, I review email first thing in the morning. I have a time block for looking at, at slack at email. What is barn burning that needs a response? Most of the times it's nothing. But what it does is it clears my mind of that question. Mm -hmm. I don't respond to anything, uh, much like Stu. I, I want to do my deep work first, but what I need to do is sort of clear the, the mental hurdle of there could be something, uh, because when there is, it's usually something urgent. Um, and it's, it's rare, but it does happen. And I think a lot of people in a corporate environment, uh, you know, clear, clear review and move on. Uh, because once you've reviewed it, you can ignore it or set a time for it, which is more the way I do it, a bit like Stu. Uh, I I do a review, I do some deep work, and then I spend some time going back and m- making answers to those questions like what I'm doing next Thursday that's so important to somebody else. Um, these are things that, uh, you know, again, my my approach coming from corporate is probably a little different than someone that has the flexibility of a creative or self-employed you know the the things that i have to do are a little different
1: mm. i mean i used to do exactly what you you suggest there and i think i think it's absolutely right the problem i had with it um was was me really which is it it provided lazy me with an excuse to procrastinate and i would um i would suddenly decide that you know the barn was burning and i needed to deal with this thing in email or slack when actually it probably wasn't it was just me avoiding the deep work so um i i got to the stage where i said to to people you know um i don't really look at email in the morning because i've got other stuff to do so if there's a burn sorry if there's a barn burning call me uh, and of course, and I say this to my clients, you know, you, you've got something, you've got something big on and you need my help and you need it fast. pick up the phone, I will answer. Um, and it kind of just removes that excuse for me to to go through the stuff and, and use it as a child. So it's, that's a very personal sort of coping strategy that I developed in inside corporate actually, because it was too easy for me to go, well, I'm so important. Look at all these people that need my input. They need my input immediately, Justin. I've got to sit down and do this Um, and send myself down a sort of ego trip day of not doing the right thing. So um, I wish I had the discipline that you have to look at stuff and go, none of that really matters.
0: (laughs) Well, one one of the key things, and I'm thinking particularly for a corporate environment, uh, put your tasks in a calendar ahead of time. A couple of reasons for this. One, you have a start time, two, you have an end time again, that takes away any of the stress that you have to do as Stu was saying. Get into things and stay there all day, mm-hmm. you know because you're important you're as I mentioned earlier, you're putting out fires and and that feels good you know i'm I'm important I'm putting out fires um if you could put things with a start time and an end time. You can work around it. Okay, I've got a quick check on this, and then I'm going to push it off till the end time of my next block. Uh, that's amazing. The other thing, putting it on a calendar ahead of time, especially if you're in one of those organizations, and thank God I'm not, but uh, I happen in the past where other people have the ability to schedule meetings. Mm. Oh my good, goodness gracious me. Um, yeah, block off your own time make it personal, make it, you know, so people can't see what you're doing, but that you have time blocks set up. Um, and, and that's really going to stop that pressure of, of having to come out of your deep block to deal with, well, somebody else's stuff. Uh, one of the things that I think, particularly in a corporate environment, um, creates part of this problem is quite often we all need pieces of information from other people. If you're planning out your deep work sessions in advance, you get a couple of things that you could do that are really helpful. Uh, one of those is to get a, get ahead of all the other pieces of information that you need from other people, systems, whatever it is. Um, you can approach somebody ahead of time, give that person uh, an appropriate time window to get back to you with the information you need. Uh, that's going to make their life a whole lot more productive because you're not sending that seven o'clock email saying, I need this right away because I start my work day at nine o'clock and this is what I need. What you do is if you start thinking about all the items that you need in corporate, get all those pieces in advance so that you can do your, your big deep blocks by yourself. And the more you show leadership like that, even if it's leadership from the bottom, I'm thinking ahead, I'm going to do this. Can you give me this in two days? Because hey, Wednesday is when my time block is, and this is Monday morning. Um, You can develop and encourage that ability of everybody in the organization to think ahead and be more productive. Rather than, you know, getting into a, a deep space and going, oh, I need this. I have a question on this. And then you're sending somebody a message and you're interrupting their time. So really think think about it. Plan ahead, I think, is one of my key things before I even start uh, a block. Really think about it ahead of time. Oh, for sure. Uh, do you do anything like that, Stu?
1: No, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's where the whole sort of task management Uh, GTD sort of approach to things um, comes in because if you are practicing GTD or a a hybrid version of it you'll be making those uh, clarifications uh, automatically as you capture things you'll uh, not necessarily as you capture but perhaps after you've captured them I'm saying okay so what do I need to make this happen oh I need Justin to produce this thing before I can do anything all right so what I actually need to do is say to Justin When is this coming? Or depending on the power dynamic, Justin, make sure I have this by this date. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. That sort of planning of giving everyone the chance to support you rather than hinder you by being very clear about what you need and what you're doing and why, um, I think makes things abundantly easier for you, you, the, the person yourself, but also for everyone else. So you know they appreciate the fact that Justin was saying, okay, I I need this for Friday because I've got stuff I've got to do on it. Is that okay with you? Cool, fantastic. People like to be consulted, um, and yeah, calendars. Depending on the position you're in, I think you know a lot. A lot of people have calendars imposed upon them. Um, there's nothing wrong with some creative accounting um, calendar-wise. You can you can block time off for a meeting. It, You know, if somebody asks you, you could say, well, actually the meeting is with myself, but, um, it's, I think it's worth doing. Um, certainly when I look back at the people that, um, that I worked with who were good at this, um, and when I was, you know, at my most productive one, one thing I've always maintained, you know, for, for years now, if you get two hours of, of really good work out of somebody in the day then you are getting a lot more than most corporations do. Most people spend most of their time doing stuff that is a waste of their time. I, the older I get, the more convinced I am of this. And the more I can look at the, the things that I used to do and feel you know, that I was stressed and uh, overtired and, oh, wow, it's just it's overwhelming. Eh, I could have just left most of it, to be honest. And um, I think learning what's important, deciding what's important is a huge part of this battle. Um, and as, as Justin said, sitting down and working that stuff out will A, save you time, and B, make the work much more
0: rewarding. And save your hair too, because uh, you know I'm, <laughs> I'm at the point that I am in life because, well, I may have pulled it out for stress. Yeah. All right, Stu. Once you're once you've got your cup of tea or your coffee, depending on what you're doing, how do you prep for a deep work session? What do you do? Uh, well, yeah, I mean,
1: for me, it really depends on what I'm doing. So, um, I I will have scheduled in uh, into uh, my time blocking calendar, imaginatively named, um, what I'm going to be doing. Uh, if it's let's say writing, um, then I'll have the standing desk ready. Or if it isn't, then I'll I'll crank it up. I'll clear the decks. Um, I'll get the right sort of music on. So if I'm writing uh, Sean, my my novel uh, is set in Budapest in the nineties. So um, the music is the music I was listening to when I was in Budapest in the nineties. Um it's usually quite loud because it's rock music and I don't find music distracting in that way. So that really sort of primes my mind. It gets me into the mindset of, of Sean's world what's happening there. Um, and Yeah, I just say to myself, okay, right. I'm just going to write two scenes or 15 minutes um, and force myself to do that. I'm going to do 15 minutes. It's not going to be tough. It's not going to be hard. And listening to a song, um, before you know it, hours have gone by. Whoosh. Um, I I always try and do it after exercise. I always try and have a walk first in the morning. Um, A, because my dog's really rather like that. Uh, And B, because I think just... Getting your body sort of moving and warmed up is a great way to to warm your brain up because your brain knows what's coming. It knows that you've scheduled that deep work, um, and so it will start doing all of this this sort of hard thinking for you without bothering your conscious. I'm I'm absolutely convinced of that. Um, and and off I go. If if I'm doing sort of more corporate stuff, then I'll probably play some instrumental playlists. Um, you supplied me with a couple. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, just because um i want it sort of just to sort of bubble along in the background something that i can make a phone call over uh, that's kind of what i want um because again increasingly uh, if i'm really trying to build the business then i should probably be on the phone um this is what i battle with all the time because uh, millennials consider that i've assaulted them if i phone them um me too uh if i really want to get something done then there is something better than email. I appreciate that there's a whole nuance between messaging and different sort of messages. You know, you and I, I think, probably have developed a protocol of what's urgent and what isn't.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think you do that with people, but generally speaking, um, nobody is going to pay me the sort of money that I pay because I sent them a really nice email. Um, It's going to be, there are going to be emails involved, but when it comes down to it, they need to speak to me and they need to hear me and they need to think, well, he's not cheap, but he 100% knows what I need and he knows how to fix the problem that I have. That's what people need to believe about me. And um, whilst it's really easy to send loads of e- emails and sit there and go, well, you know, business isn't really growing. I know that if I make enough calls to enough contacts through enough networks, then I will I will get business. So um, for those types of things, like everyone else, I don't like cold calling um i'm not particularly wild about networking calls you know hi we haven't spoken for a while so i thought i'd waste some of your life. you know i i don't like doing that but the reason that people do do it and the reason that people pay other people to do it is because it works that's the bottom line um so again i i set myself up for the things that i think are most likely to to succeed so with with calls i will set myself sort of 25 minute blocks Um, because I don't care who you are. You can't make four hours worth of cold calls without a break. It's just impossible. You'd you'd end up sounding like a machine and you need to be standing up. If you're going to make calls to people, whether it be for networking or anything else, um, you need to preferably walking around, you need energy because all of that is reflected in your voice, um, so I have some music on that people won't find offensive. They might just about hear in the background and, uh, you know, the right sort of volume. Um, I guess that's it for me. I mean, I change my my desktop sometimes and what windows are open and try and change the lighting a little bit. Um, I just try and create a sort of setting for myself. I don't have strict ones that I do. Um, music is the most important for me All you know, sometimes podcasts, but those are, the, those are the cues that I use. So, you know, specific music for specific tasks.
0: Hmm, interesting. I'm quite similar to you, actually, in the fact that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll move my desk up, I will uh, shut down all the apps. Uh, one of the things I do is I clear the desk of non-important things that I don't actually need. So, you know, I, I, usually leave my journal with my plan and my notes, and it's got a little task list there. I leave that open most of the time on my desk with, well, at the moment that, uh, Baron Fig squire laying in the middle of it. Uh, I close that up. I take everything off so that it is just what I need to focus on at the moment. Of course, if I have any notes, I'll turn to that page. But, um, yeah, I'll try to do that. I am at the moment less into music podcasts than perhaps do is. um, I'm happy, depending what I'm doing in the cognitive load to sit in silence. And the reason for that is I find myself following the music. Uh, music can be a distraction depending on what I'm doing. Um, so sometimes if I'm working on numbers, I can listen to a podcast in the background. I got to make sure it's a podcast that I don't really care about. Um, I've kind of cut back on a lot of my podcast listening um, for various reasons. I may have talked about those before. I got rid of a whole bunch of podcasts that uh, had uh, certain voices that I, I, I just sort of disagreed with some of their politics. Um, I, I've got rid of those background podcasts. I'm now on the essential stuff that I actually want to listen to. So that's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, If I put on some of the playlists, it's very easy for me to get caught up in the music. And that's, you know, perhaps because I'm a musician, um, that may just be a bit of a hazard of uh, enjoying the music a little too much. I've got to say, I've been enjoying Apple's new classical music uh, for that. But again, it's very easy for me to get distracted by it. So quite often, you know, if I'm doing something cognitively demanding, I will just sit in silence uh, until my wife starts making too much noise that I have to put something on. Um, the, the key is really just having a clear entry into, okay, I've checked my email. I've shut down everything. I've shut down all the messaging apps. I've uh, turned my phone off. I've quite often put it on my writing desk now i'm just going to focus on this task that's at hand and that mental transition to say i've gone from one to the other you know it, it could be anything that works for you maybe it is getting a new cup of tea to sit in front of um you know whatever that is making that delineation from before shallow work deep work here's what i'm set up here's this routine that i have It's, you know, it's a bit like uh, putting, going down and doing the starting blocks on a run. You get into the position, you know, you're going to run. You get into the position for deep work, you know, you're going to work hard. And that's kind of the goal that I have. It doesn't necessarily matter what it is as much as the fact that you have a process.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anything that uh, you think about the dismounts do? Um, is there any do you put a, a final timer on it or do you just go as long as you can? Um, well, I have a
1: I I have a a target time, um largely dictated by my stomach. Uh so I plan to work through to, to lunchtime. Um if I don't, um then, you know, I guess there's a sort of subconscious minimum that I've set somewhere. And if I'm really in the flow and enjoying it, then you know, I I can can fly straight through those things without, without any problem at all. And as long as you don't you know, bump into a calendar event, that's fine. Um, so no, but what I, what I do um, force myself to do is when I, when I stop and I finish is to sort of just take a little moment to go, you know, well done, Stu, good work. Um, nobody else is going to do it, let's be honest. Um, and I, deep work is really hard. I mean it's it's hard work it's draining whether that be writing or calling people you know any of the stuff that that is valuable tends to be hard work um and I think we probably don't catch ourselves getting things right enough and it's it's so easy to get down yourself so I take a little moment to go well then me and you know maybe have a reward get a sparkling water a rock and roll life I lead. um and and just you know um play with the dogs, just generally go, okay, you know, I feel good about that. It's important to reinforce those feelings, I think, because, you know, they encourage you to to go back and do it again. What about you? Do you have a do you have a sort of set rule?
0: Yeah, I I like to have that peace of mind of, you know, I, I clear the decks before I start and I like to clear the decks afterwards. Again, I'm working in an organization where there's lots of different people, lots of different communication, you know, some of it important, most of it not. But if I can have a defined time and a defined shutdown, which involves sort of another check, what's blown up, um, I get confidence in the fact that I can schedule a two-hour block here mm-hmm. where I can ignore everything. Um, and I think, you know, that's, Part part of deep work for me is you have to build up to it. You can't just suddenly say one day I'm going to go and do four hours of deep work in one block from, you know, first thing in the morning till noon, Uh, especially if you work in a big organization or an organization where you're dealing with other people. The ability to clear the decks and build up confidence is going to allow you to get deeper and deeper into A deep work block. Um, You're not going to be tempted by the distraction of, I I just need to check this. I just need to check that. Well, what if, because that is unfortunately what a lot of us are conditioned to in corporate environments, the what if you're waiting for. That's why there's so much stress, people checking their phones, waiting for the next TikTok video or whatever it is. Um, If you can get to the point where you can say, I am comfortable ignoring the world for two hours, and then I'm going to check back in. People also get used to that, you know, okay. He responds within two hours. Um, and this is something that I try to encourage my staff to do is, you know, don't be constantly on email, look away from it for a while. What's the expectation that customers have, for example, and and look at that and say, okay, you know what? I could do a Pomodoro block of 25 minutes and then check my email for five minutes and then, you know, do another Pomodoro block. Or I could just say, I'm going to schedule two hours and I'm going to work on something big and I'm going to move the needle. Really, really a tough thing to get right, uh, but build it up slowly. And I'm at a point where I'm comfortable with my blocks now, uh, but that's not something that just comes from saying i'm going to do this it's it's not as easy in the corporate world no for sure i could understand that all right uh, any takeaways
1: on this Stu? ah well uh, as ever um none none of my thoughts are original uh they've all come from reading so um i heartily recommend deep work by cal newport um and also uh the one that he released after that which was called a world without email um both very interesting reads about Um, well, about what we've been discussing and about distraction generally. What about you, JT? What have you got?
0: I think the key to me is find something you care about working on. And if it's not something that you really care about, find a reason why it's important because that will drive your success. Very good. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the internet this
1: week? Ah, well, you can find me at com, uh, where my writing lives, or you can find me at LimeConsulting.com if you want some very serious stuff about anti-money laundering. Or if you want some wonderful stationery delivered anywhere in the world, then Nero'sNotes.co.uk. What about you, Justin?
0: Where can people find you? Well, the this place to find me, JustinTwifer.com. You can see my adventures uh, out on the weekends, time-blocking Life Away from the universe uh, <laughs> at YouTube, Beyond Your Front Door. You can email both Stu and myself at stationadjacent at gmail.com. Please take a moment and like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. Uh, we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic is going to be, well, Stu, GTD, stage by stage. He's just finished the book. He's got the workbook. Uh, He's writing the blog post, so I'm I'm sure a review and a discussion of what we like, what we don't like, what works for us, will be coming up. Do all the help I can get. All right. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.